Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Let's jump into Joshua chapter 1 verses 5 through 9. And uh, as you do that, I hope that you have your Bibles and your notebooks with you. We're in the book of Joshua. Joshua, um, the book of Joshua marks the fulfillment of the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. Okay. Joshua is the successor of Moses and God fulfills his promises through Joshua as he led the Israelites to the promised land where the tribes of Israel united as a single people. It's a big deal. So in this, uh, in these four verses, five verses, God is speaking to Noah here, and he says this. He says, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according all that is written in it. For then you will make your way, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. The first thing that God thinks about you, how he thinks about you is this. God thinks that you are together. This is our biggest point today. God thinks that you are together. What do you mean? God thinks that you're with him. Once you are reaffirmed, reestablished, reconnected, right? You're there. And so God says, I am with you wherever you go. And when he says I'm with you, he, what he's saying is we're together in this, right? Have you ever thought that somebody was with you, that you were together only to find that they weren't, only to find that they weren't? I can remember this as a little kid uh, used to jump into the pool together with your buddies, jump off the boat or off the, off the rock. When you get older, you jump off cliffs at lakes and stuff like that. And so Hey man, we're all gonna jump on three. Ready? One, two, three, and and always, 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 somebody bails, and and then you say, "Well, hey, I thought we were, I thought we were together, right?" In Oklahoma, back in the early two thousands, there was this ice storm, and me and a couple of friends got together. We're gonna do some tree work. We're gonna help clear limbs out and help people get their houses back together, and 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 so the insurance companies could come out and put roofs on, and power companies could come out and put electric lines back up. And so we started clearing, clearing, helping people clear their houses, clear land. And in all this, we had three guys who committed to this and, and job one was pretty awesome. Went pretty fast, took a day, a lot of work, a lot of work, five acres worth of work and uh, went good. And the next day, uh, one of the guys couldn't make it, but we, we had said in the beginning, said, Hey, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it together. This is us. Like, it's a lot of work. It's hard work. You know, you get a truck and a trailer and chainsaws and all that stuff, right? And, and we're doing good in the community. We're helping people. And, and sure enough, man, we lost a third of our team. 
And I remember thinking um, on that second job when we were on our fourth day there, man, I just wish he was here. I wish he would. I just wish he would have kept up his end of the deal. I wish. I wish he he would have kept his commitment. Right. You ever had somebody invite you to come help them move, or have you invited somebody to come help you move, and and all of a sudden, last minute, you know, even though you're providing all the pizza, you know, and all the stuff, all the cheap payment that you give people to help you move, all of a sudden somebody says, oh man, I can't, can't do that. You ever counted on somebody and, and they said that they would help you. They said they would be there. They said that they wanted to. And then when it came time to do it, sorry, man, I gotta, I gotta floss my teeth. I haven't flossed. And you think, oh, what, what happened? <laughs> I thought we were together. I thought you were with me. Can't tell you how many times that uh, you experience this in team sports when somebody that you're counting on to help you achieve a goal bails on you or they don't make the grades. They don't hope they're into the bargain. They're into the commitment. And so they find themselves ineligible or... Um, you change the workout time and the workout time is earlier. And because it's earlier, I don't want to get out of bed. And so because I want to get out of bed, I'm going to make up some dumb excuse. Like, um, I had to meet with, uh, I had to meet with my financial advisor, uh, at the, the bank. And those excuses sound good at six in the morning, but we all know that those people aren't up at that time, you know? And so I can't tell you how many times this has happened here when we would say that we, um, are going to do something and we feel like we have, a good group of people on board and, uh, and nothing happens and you go, you work hard and, and you're ready to, you know, execute or make it happen. And all of a sudden the people who said that they would won't. And even in support, we have a, a ton of friends. Well, people that we thought were friends that said, man, we're behind you. We're with you. We love you. We love you. And, uh, man, so cool. So cool what you're doing. And it's real easy to say that on the couch, right? And so, and just feel like, I thought we were, I thought we were together. I thought we were together. And people change their commitments. And I want to let you know that's okay. Because Proverbs tells us countless times that do not put your trust in man. Because he or they or she will let you down every time. And so they change their commitment. But what I want to let you know this morning is God has not changed his commitment. God says, I'm with you. He, tell, he tells you right there. And so then, God thinks you're together, that you are with him. And because you are, he reminds us three times in Joshua, not only that I'm with you, but to be strong and be courageous. What does that mean to be strong and be courageous? It means don't buckle. Don't fold. Don't collapse like a tent. Don't quit. Do not cower. That's what it means. It means, hey, listen, I'm with you, okay? It's going to be like this. I'm there, though. Me and you, hands up, together, pal. I'm with you, right? Why? Why does he say, be strong? He needs you. He needs you. You're together. You're together. He opens Joshua by saying, 
All the days of your life, no one will be able to stand against you. I will be with you. Why will nobody be able to stand against him? It's not because Joshua's almighty. It's because God is with him. And that's what he tells you. Because he believes, he thinks that you're together. He thinks that you're together. You remember Moses telling the Israelites, we said this a couple weeks back, Moses gets the Israelites to the Red Sea. And in chapter 14, it's on the screen, verses 13 and 14, it says, uh, uh, it says, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the salvation. Moses has consulted with the Lord, okay, with God. And he comes back and he says, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the salvation of the Lord today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Okay, so let me just paraphrase. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the salvation of the Lord. And that's really what salvation costs. Not taking this out of context, what I'm saying, salvation is free. It's free. Stand firm. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the salvation of the Lord. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The problems you see today, you'll never see again. Why? Stand firm. Be courageous. Why? God is with you. God is with you. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Now, in this moment, this is like a moment of faith, right? It's like the calm before the storm. And then God says to Moses, verse 15, what are you looking at me for? Like, we've had our conversation. You have your instructions. Go. Tell them to get going. And what God is saying is is here in verse uh, 15, when he says, get going. He's essentially saying the same thing that he's saying in Joshua 1, 9. We're together. And as long as we're together, we're good. As long as we're together, we're good. I am with you as you go. Just a quick reminder, quick pep talk, right? Quick pep, pep, quick pep talk. And, and, and as you go, I'm with you. This should give us all confidence. This should give us all confidence. So then be strong and courageous. It's in you. It's already in you. You just have to hold it, right? I am with you. What's he mean in be strong and be courageous? What's he mean? Pull your weight. Hold up your end of the bargain. Keep your commitment. Do your part. Do your part because we're together. We got this. That's what he's saying. We got this. Stand firm. We got this. Not stand firm. Good luck, buddy. We're together. I am with you. If you're taking note, I got a couple questions. Taking a note. If you're taking notes, a couple questions. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you're together? Do you believe that He is with you? One A or or one C, depending on how you look at this. Has that been a one-way commitment? Like that time that your friend bailed on you? Have you bailed? Because God thinks you're together. And God doesn't need to need to tell us 87 times like we tell our kids, right? Or like you have to text your buddy. Or like you have to tell your mom, <laughs> right? Or like your mom leaves you the voicemail when she tells you the same thing on the voicemail that she said in the text that she says when you call her. And she says, did you get my voicemail? 
no, I didn't listen to that because you're going to tell me what you left on there. So I'm just going to get it one time right here. Okay. So then in all of that, some humor there, it's, it comes for all of us, I guess. And so then is that a one-way commitment? Is it like that time? Is it like that time that your friend bailed on you? Have you bailed? Have you bailed? Are you not together anymore? And I want to let you know that if you have bailed, God didn't. Because he doesn't know how to not keep a commitment. And and if you did bail, then did you ever really commit? Did you commit to walking together? And if you didn't commit because you didn't know, because you didn't understand, that's all good. Because God knows your heart and he knows where you're at, where you're at. And if you did commit to it, was it under the perception? This was my perception, by the way. So that's why I can say this. Was it, we're together, but it's more, we're together, God is with me type thing, as opposed to I'm with God, right? And so then, so God is with me. So it was his choice to, to, to be with me, right? So if it's his choice, he better keep up. We got to go. We have stuff to do, God. So I need you to go a little bit faster, right? Is it just God keep up with me because we have stuff to do? And what I want to ask you in that is this, is are you strong and courageous in that way? Because God's with you? Or are you weak and fighting for every inch because God can't keep up with you? When reality He's never left you, but that's how you feel because you're not together. Let's go back and look at Joshua 1.8. It says this. This is some, some kind of religious talk here a little bit. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and will have success. I don't want to jump too far off track here. By the way, my wife makes fun of me all the time for picking this up and putting it down and not taking a drink. And this is her cup. I don't want to jump too far off track, but what is the book of the law? It's this. It's the Bible. Ah, Book of the law, right? And what book are we in? Joshua. Where's Joshua found? Old Testament. Old Testament. What do we find in the Old Testament? We find lots of law. No Jesus. Okay. Now, the Bible is one of the ways. It's one of the ways. It's a great way that we stay connected with God. We stay close. We stay engaged. We stay with God with the Bible. It's a great tool. But when we look at it as law, it gets heavy. A little religious. And so we're like, what's it say? Do all that is written and make your way. That sounds tough. Do all that is written and make your way. Do not let this word depart from your mouth. Remember that? So you're thinking, oh my gosh, there is no way in my whole lifetime, I'm never going to get all this in. So what do we do? 
we sit on a shelf and it gets covered with dust. It's my name. Thanks, mom. Gets real dusty. <laughs> Do all that's written and make your way. It sounds tough. It sounds tough. And in Joshua 1, 8, it looks like we have a plan B in the middle of a plan A sandwich. Like, hey, if you forget to be strong and courageous, and if you forget that I'm with you, make your way, okay? You feel like you want to go on your own, just stick to the book. Just stick to the book, and you'll, you'll figure it out. And a lot of us feel like that because we forgot we're together. We're together. It's not God keep up with me. It's God with me, Right? And so then these are two points that uh, I just added. It says this, the law is God above us. We recognize God above us as lightning. Oh man, come on. That was close. Jesus is God with us. We recognize this as love. It's New Testament. It's New Testament. What Jesus says about the law, you can find in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Cornerstone scripture of Redefined Church. Pharisees are, you know, they're all over the place. They're always trying to, to trick Jesus. And they say, hey, I know about all these laws and all these rules and all this. What do you say? And he says, I say this. I love God with everything that you have, with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the, This is command one and two, by the way. This is law. He said, if, you, if you'll obey those two, you'll find that you're obeying everything else. And essentially, everything takes care of itself, and we just go back to those two. Now let's get back on track. The bottom line of Joshua, of what we're reading here, is this. Either way you go, you're together with God. One, you're going with, and the other, you're asking Him to keep up, right? And you're going to succeed, and you're going to be prosperous, One's going to cost you a little bit more time, effort, energy, all that. And so the reality is this, I would rather, I would rather, and I'm sure we'd all prefer that real relationship with God that doesn't require making our way, but leading the way, trusting that God is going with us in strength and courage, right? To lead the way by trusting God and going in strength and courage with Him as opposed to asking Him to keep up. And I really feel like this is why God tells Jacob in Isaiah 43, 1 through 7. We finished off the story of Jacob. Uh, we didn't finish it off. We touched on it and stayed there for a, a large portion of the message last week. And so if you're not familiar with Jacob's story, you can go right back to last week and get that. It's on YouTube or Facebook. But I think this is why God tells Jacob in Isaiah 43, 1 through 7, this will be full screen. It says this. He says, the God who made you in the first place, Jacob. And, and he miss, you know, it's not that he misspeaks here. There's, there's intention here, but I'm not going to dig into that. The one who got you started, Israel. And he's like, oh, yeah, I changed your name. I gave you a new name. I did. I call you Jacob, but he, he changed Jacob name to Israel. So he's in the first place, Jacob. Oh, yeah. The one who got you started, Israel. The one who got you started. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You are mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be with you. 
And when you're in rough waters, you will not go down. And when you're between a rock and a hard place, it will not be a dead end. This is the message translation, by the way. Because I am God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you. All of Egypt with rich Cush and Seba thrown in. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell the whole world to get you back. I'd trade off creation just for you. So don't be afraid. I'm with you. There you go again. I'll round up your scattered children. I'll put them, I'll pull them from east and west. I'll send orders north and south to send them back. Return my sons from distant lands and my daughters from faraway places. I want them back. Every last one who bears my name. Every man, woman, and child whom I created for my glory. Yes. Yes, I personally formed each one. What am I trying to say in God saying and thinking that you're together? Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Right here you see that he wants you back. He wants you back. You have confirmation again through this whole series we've been in. Every one of them I formed. I made each one. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And John 10, 29 says, no one is able to snatch you out of my hand. No one. No one. Not even you. Once you are in relationship, if you're a believer today, you're together. You are together. God thinks you're together. Now let's go to the second, the second point. If you're a believer, we want to pay real close attention to Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. This is the Good News Translation. We've been through many translations over the last six weeks of this uh, scripture, and I want to show you a, a, a different one again today. Even before the world was made, God had already chosen us to be His through our union with Jesus together so that we would be holy and without fault. Without fault is the next one. Without fault before Him because of His love. God had already decided that through Jesus Christ, he would make us his children. Child of God, biggest John 1, 12, what we're in right now. And it says, this is his pleasure and his purpose. Probably the biggest question today is this. Do you realize that when God looks at you, he sees you through Jesus Christ? The only way to the Father is through the Son. So do you realize that today, that today, when God looks at you, he sees you through Jesus, through the waterfall. He sees you through Jesus. So these things that we're talking about, the way that he thinks about you, he's only ever had to think them once. And so then when he looks over at you, he's like, yeah, come on, we're together. We're together, remember? Come on. And we're the ones going, oh, yeah. When he sees you, he's looking at you through Jesus. When Jesus died, he took our sin. He paid for that sin, which means you're forgiven and your sin is forgotten. So the next point is, number two, God thinks you're forgiven. God thinks you're forgiven. If he thinks that you are, what am I saying? You're forgiven. You know why? 
because God said you're forgiven. And so then he's in a relationship with you thinking that you believe you're forgiven. This is why he says, hey, I've already forgot that. I forgot that. I don't know. Like you're forgiven, period. It's not an open-ended forgiveness or it's a constant coming back, right? And so then, when he says, come on, I've already said that. Like, we don't think, nor do we know, nor can we comprehend how God thinks, right? The reality in all this is we have to accept what he thinks. We have to, we're together. Like, he doesn't know any different. He's not ignorant. He said it, it is. He said you're forgiven, it is. So he thinks, he thinks that you know that. He believes that you know that. And so when you keep falling back, he's like, no, forget, like, come on, I already told you. And so then we have to accept, we have to accept his forgiveness. This is why when you become a believer, it's great news. It's the greatest news on the face of the planet because I give Jesus my life. He accepts my life. He forgives me. And then he gives me a new name. And then God says, now I see you without a single fault. I, I see you through Jesus, through my son. And you stand before me today covered with my love, not sin. When we see us, we see all of our faults, flaws, failures, shortcomings. The list goes on. God says, I see you through my son. I see you through Christ. I see you through Jesus. And you look good. Why? Because he's perfect. Because he's perfect. Because he bridged the gap. He reestablished our relationship with God. Later in Isaiah 43, 25, God says to Jacob, I, yes, I am the one who takes care of your sins. That's what I do. I don't keep a list of your sins. I don't keep a list. Because when I said you're forgiven, you're forgiven. And so then you repent and I forgive. You repent and I forgive. You repent and I forgive. And, and you can just do that as many times as you want to. Okay? But he's always going to forgive. And he says you're forgiven. And he thinks you're forgiven because you are forgiven. Right? Verse 44, uh, in chapter 44 of Isaiah, this is 1 through 5. It says, but now, but, but for now, dear servant, servant, solid name, dear servant, Jacob, listen. He does it again. You, yes, you, Israel, yes, you, Israel, his new name, Israel, Israel, my personal choice, I who made you have something to say to you, I who formed you in the womb want to help you, I want to help you, now, I just want to say this here on planet earth, when um, we want to help people, they're normally in good standing with us, if I make a commitment to you, it's normally because we're in agreement, that means you're, you've been forgiven if there was ever any offense, right? And so then you cannot look at this scripture and see the promises of God for you and say, I formed you in the womb and I want to help you. And all this stuff we've talked about how God sees you and who God says you are and what God says you're worth and all of this. You can't stand here today, sit here today, be engaged today and say, God is holding something against me. Because he wouldn't say, I want to help you if he had something against you. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He can't. 
It's an oxymoron. God does not contradict himself, ever. I'm 100% on that. God doesn't contradict himself. And so when he says, I formed you, I gave you a purpose, I want to help you. I want to help you. We're together. You're forgiven. I want to help you. He's not holding anything against you. There's not lightning about to strike. You're not thinking, oh man, here I go again. It's the same old thing. Same old song, different verse. Here we go. Just He's not saying that. He never has said that. That's something we've created. I've done that before too. So then let's talk about, I had this analogy uh, come up last night. I was talking to Heather actually. And I said, um, don't you love how we uh, go and check on the kids at night when they're sleeping? And, and every now and again, I don't do this every night. I'm not a perfect dad. I've got so much, so much that I can do better as a dad. But every now and again, I will sneak into our kids' rooms and I will just stand right by their bed and watch them sleep. I, you know, I do tuck them in or Oscar's a crazy sleeper. Lainey's a crazy sleeper. Kaz pretty much sleeps right where he falls asleep and wakes up right there. And who, verdict's out on accident, okay? And so then you cover them up and you just watch them sleep. And it's so, so very nice to watch them sleep. Kind of creepy if you think about like some big dude standing over a kid's bed. That's my son. It's my daughter. And so I stand there. I love this so much. I get so much joy from it because it's peaceful. It's peaceful. And I get to watch them sleep and, and they're at peace. And um, it's actually quiet. Nobody's talking. Nobody's butt dadding or speaking over anybody. It's just nice. It's very, very nice. And I like it because it's peaceful. And I like it because it's quiet. But I like it more than anything because I'm their dad. Because I'm their father. And in those moments that I stand over their beds, I don't think of all the wrong that happened that day. I don't think of how they didn't get along. I don't think of the arguments that happened that day. I don't think of how um, they complained at the dinner table or how they had issues doing their schoolwork. I don't remember any of that stuff. And it's not that I'm trying to. I'm not trying to not think about it. It's just a peaceful night. And it's peaceful every night. And I could get caught up, but instead, I just look in awe and I can't believe that one, God has allowed me to be a dad and he's entrusted these, these kids to me. But more than anything, I'm amazed. They're growing. They're growing really big. And they're really good kids. You know, as, as parents, we, um, it's tough because you can, um, man, just be extreme at home. And there have been times where I've been extreme where we go out and people have great compliments to say about our kids. And I love that. Um, but I'm just going to say this. The other day we were talking, doing our little Bible over breakfast time. And, and I said, I could care less how much of this you memorize. I don't want you to memorize this. Because the more you put in your head, the more likely you are to walk away from it. I want to see it in your heart. I want to see it in your eyes. 
I want to see it in your words. I want to see it in your actions. I want to see it in your feet. Because when you get it in your heart, it changes your life. When you get it in your heart, you start to, you start to actually bear fruit. It starts to come out in you. And it doesn't just come out in you in public. It comes out in you in our home. In our home. And so I say all that because I believe that God looks at us the same way. The same way that I look at my kids at nighttime when they're asleep, fast asleep. I think that God looks at us the same way. And that He loves us because He loves us. And it's very simple. It's just because He made you. That's it. I love those nights because they're simple. And when I think about how God made us, it's the same. It's just simple. It's just simple. God looks at you and God looks at me and he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. And he loves us because he made us. Why? Because we were simply created with love. When I look at my kids, I see that they were created out of my love. When God looks at us, he sees that you and I are created out of his love. It's who he is. It's who he is. And so we understand that, that God looks at you and he looks at me and he loves you and he loves me. And he, and he does this because it's, he just simply made us. He called us into existence. And so then, where do we see in the Bible confirmation of Ephesians 1, 4, and 5? Where it says that we are without fault because some of us struggle to receive or accept, accept this. In uh, 1 John 1, 19, it says, all of your sins are forgiven. In 1 John 1, 7, it says, all of your unrighteousness has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. When God sees you, he sees you through his son. In Romans 4, 5, it says, you are now righteous in my sight with the very righteousness of my perfect son. When God sees you, he sees you through Jesus together. You're forgiven. Aren't you glad that God loves you? And aren't you glad that God has a short memory? And aren't you glad that God thinks you are forgiven? He's never going to think anything but that. You're forgiven. A couple things I want to jump into real quick, and then we're going to close. Being forgiven means four things. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. It means God thinks four things about you. He thinks that you are new. He thinks that you are transformed. He thinks you represent him. And he thinks that you're lovable. He thinks that you're lovable. So hang with me. I'm going to bullet point these and we're going to go. So the first one is because you are forgiven, God thinks you're new. These are scriptures. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, he says, in my eyes, you are a brand new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come for I make all things new. Romans 8.1.2, you are finally free from the slavery of sin and death. There is now no condemnation in you. No condemnation for you, rather. 
Romans 6:11. Sin is no longer your master. You died to sin and now are alive in me. Alive in Christ. Come on, somebody. Romans 5:1. You are justified by faith. You are justified by faith. Why you put that in there? What's that mean? Complete trust and acceptance makes you new. Complete trust and acceptance makes you new. Number two, God thinks you are transformed. Note takers, I think I'm going slow enough. If I'm not, just let me know, okay? 2 Corinthians 3, 18 and Exodus 33, 18 nearly say the same thing. As you seek me, as you seek more of my glory, I am transforming you into the image of my son. God thinks you're transformed. Colossians 3.10, now that you have put on the new self, you're new, being renewed in, in the knowledge after the image of your creator, transformed. 1 John 3.2, when Jesus appears, you will be like him because you shall see him as he is, transformed. And John 14.3, but most of all, you will see my face and be with me where I am. That's another transformation, but God sees you transformed. God thinks you represent him. Number three, <clears throat> this is Ephesians 4.1. It's a couple of these. Therefore, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Calling, chosen, called, accepted. It's you. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. God thinks you represent. Ephesians 5.8. You are no longer darkness, but light in my son. Walk as children of the light. You're representing God. There's four scriptures here, and they all say this same, uh, the similar things. Romans 1 7, Acts 26 16, 1 Peter 14 4 10, and 2 Timothy 2 3. It says this You are a saint, you are a servant, you are a steward, you are a soldier, you are representing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts 1.8 and Ephesians 2.10. Acts 1.8 says you are a witness. Ephesians 2.10 says you are my workmanship. 1 Timothy 4.12 says you are an example. 2 Corinthians says you are an ambassador for my son. You represent. And Matthew 5.14 says you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Wake up. Wake up. The world needs you. This side note, I was talking to, talking to a buddy about leadership. So much out on leadership right now. There's so much out on leadership right now. Are we representing Aren't we leaders? It's not about memorization. Aren't we leaders? The church, the church, capital C church, has to wake up. Has to wake up. There's so much out on leadership right now, yet nobody wants to make a decision. So much fear, competition, worry, angst. That's what God says about you. Good grief. New. 
transformed. You represent. You're together. Stand firm. How can you stand firm? We're together. Okay? And so then the world needs you. The world needs you. You need to wake up. If you like the mask, great. If you don't like the mask, great. I don't care. Wake up. Be an example. Represent. Be an example. Represent. Why? Because God says, we got this. We got this. It's you and I. We got this. You're the only church. You're the only Jesus. You're the only gospel that a lot of people are ever going to see. And if we hide and we cower and we crumble, we fail. The church fails. The gospel fails. We collapse. Represent. God thinks you represent. He doesn't know any different. I'm going to close with this. How come you to get off on that? <laughs> Let's close. God thinks, number four, you're lovable. God thinks you're lovable. Even if you don't think you are, God thinks you are. He doesn't know any different. God loves you consistently. He doesn't love you one day and the next day go, ah, he didn't shower last night. Okay. He doesn't love you on your good days and then on your bad days. God, by the way, I don't think God sees us having good days and bad days. I think God sees us and he sees us through, um, through his son. And so when he sees you, some of the stuff that we think is bad is really preparation, right? And so then he loves you. God is 100% consistent in his love for you. Always. God loves you unconditionally. He says, I will always love you without any stipulations. It's open, always. It's universal. It's for everyone, and it's unchanging. It is the same. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever, whatever. It's a big point. Salvation is the work of God. Okay? Salvation is the work of God. I can't earn it. You can't earn it. I can't contribute to it. I can't do anything extra. Salvation is the work of God. Regeneration, rebirth, a new name is the work of the Spirit of God. Nothing that I can ever do. So God doesn't say, I love you if you're good. He doesn't say, I love you if you do these things. He doesn't say, I love you because you look this way. He just says, I love you. And because God loves you, you never have to wake up in the morning going, God, are you going to love me today? It's the same as everything else we've discussed. It's the same as he thinks. He does. He does. God, did I read my Bible enough for you today? God, did I say the right prayers today? God, did I do my good deed for the day today? Let me just tell you, sometimes your good deed for the day is a smile. Okay? Because sometimes that's all you have. And that's all God ever asks of you anyways. Don't make it what it's not. Don't get into, I was talking to uh, <laughs> my neighbor. She said, don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. Sometimes all you got is a smile. Give him a smile and move on, man. So 
God loves you no matter what. He loves you consistently. No matter who you are, no matter what you do. And so then, because that's what unconditional love is. That's what forgiveness is. This is why God sent his son, Jesus. Question. We're wrapping. What is the result? What is the result when we really understand how God thinks about us? Hopefully you've taken good notes today. Excuse me. But what is the result? What is the result? These are on your screen. The result is this. We are convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. What happens? What happens? What's the result when we really understand how God thinks about us? We believe that if the mountains collapse and the hills reel, hills, <laughs> the Oklahoma there, and the hills reel, that His gracious love will not depart from us, that His covenant of peace will remain in us because His love and mercy and compassion endure forever for us. For us. That's what happens. Romans 8.38 and Isaiah 54.10. The result when we understand how God thinks about us is those two scriptures. Remember today, God thinks that you are together. God thinks you are forgiven. And inside of forgiveness, you are new, transformed, and you represent. And God thinks that you are lovable. Your action step this week is to accept this. That's your action step. And here's what it is. It's nothing that you're going to figure out right here. It's going to take hard work and it's going to take time. But for you to move forward, this is step one, to understand. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at liveredefined.com. Follow us on social media at Redefined Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.